You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland, and I am one of the elders of Believers Baptist Church. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. And on the podcast today is Philip Castleton, another one of our elders. And our prayer is that this podcast will be a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And Philip, we are recording in August for the September podcast. And this podcast that we're going to be releasing today is the question, why are the peacemakers called sons of God? Now, these podcasts that we have done for three weeks in the month of September of 2021 would be uh, the last four of the Beatitudes. And what we tried to do in June and now in September of 2021 is take the Beatitudes and just try to give some conversation and some thought to them. And so we want to do this one about the peacemakers. And next month, we can come to the last one where we we want to speak about the one who is persecuted. Blessed is the one who is persecuted. And by the way, the month of October for 2021 will be two years for this podcast. Oh, wow. I can't believe that. Time has gone by quickly. It has gone by, and it's been a joy. It has been. Yeah. And um, we pray that it's been helpful and a joy to those who would take the time and listen. Both so the, of them. Yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe three if you count, if you, if you count my mom. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So why are the peacemakers called sons of God? And the beatitude is found in chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So I guess, again, Philip, what we have done in previous podcasts is talked about the word blessed. We've talked about um, the overall context of the Beatitudes, what was going on when Jesus spoke these and in, in terms especially uh, with the religious climate of the day. But let's think about this and not go back and rehash all of that. Let's think about what is a peacemaker? I mean, how do we understand what Jesus is saying? What is a peacemaker? Well, it do, what it isn't saying, uh, let's start there, is uh-huh. meaning that uh, a person there's no, never any conflict or that there's never any um, criticism. Or I mean, it's not necessarily saying right. those things. Um, you know... Uh, you know, war is ubiquitous, right? I mean, everywhere. In fact, it was. I saw a note in my study that said, in the last three hundred or three thousand four hundred twenty-one years of recorded history, there's been two hundred sixty-eight years that haven't known war somewhere. Wow. Okay. In in recorded history, war is everywhere, and the problem with our thinking is that a lot of times is that. If one of the superpowers, you know, Russia, China, you know, whatever, if they would gain ultimate control, then they could just dictate, if you were, would uh, they could dictate peace and the and the whole world would be in nirvana, right? I mean, but the problem here, it, it should be obvious. Just because you remove the hot aspect of war, right, the 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 guns and the and the, and the bombs and the and the whatever. You haven't removed the real problem with war. Mm-hmm. That that begins in the heart, mm-hmm. right? The hearts of men are are, are are desperately wicked, and so 
whatever peacemaking means, it, it it's referencing the hearts of men, right? The, the need for something to, to happen in the hearts of men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the question, the way you phrase it ultimately, when it says, um, why are the peacemakers sons of God? I think there's something to the fact that it says sons and not children mm-hmm. there. Because the son, especially when it's used of Jesus mm-hmm. in the scriptures, when he talks about being the son of God, he's talking about... Um, in a real sense, sharing the character of God or the character of God being displayed in him, right? Right. So here when he says the peacemakers are... uh, shall be called the sons of God. I think there's a sense in which those who are peacemakers represent or display the very character of God in themselves, because mm-hmm. God Himself is a peacemaker. Right now, what does that mean? Right? Does that mean that um, that He never confronts um, sin? Obviously not. He's going to be the judge of all sin. Right. right. And um, does that mean that um, that He never um, challenged um, untruth or or um, you know, uh, falsehood. Well, no, obviously not. That's not what it's talking about. We at even all. have. I'm interrupting you, but we even have the example of Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers. Yes, yes, absolutely. In John chapter two, and and another place in John further on. Also, we have. Um, uh, we're as as elders. We're even told to rebuke those who contradict sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have texts like this. So mm-hmm. he's not saying, "I want you to peace at all costs, peace at all costs." Um, and then contradicts himself by saying, but um, go up, contradict somebody when they're, when they're teaching falsely. Mm-hmm. That, that's not what's being communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a, a bad way to, uh, to understand this. Um, so what does it mean? Well, I think there's probably three ways to look at it. Ultimately, um, um, you know, we've already talked about, is it peace at any price? I mean, is, is peacemaking tolerance? Is it an easygoing nature? Um, is it the overlooking of truth and doctrine for the sake of peace? The answer is no, no. it can't be, right? right. The, the, then the next thing would be, what does it mean to be a peacemaker in the, con, in the context of conflict with men? Uh-huh. And what does it mean to be in the context of conflict with God? Right. And, and those are really the two areas. And uh, do you want to start with men or God? <laughs> well, I, I want to think about, I think we need to start with God because I think the thing that characterizes a true peacemaker, if we're going to try to identify that, mm-hmm. the, that man, that person, that woman, has peace with God. Mm-hmm. Romans 5. That's right. Five Romans, Romans 5, verse 1. Mm-hmm. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know that the Scripture teaches pretty explicitly that we are at war with God until He does a work of regeneration in our hearts. Absolutely. Interesting thing about Romans 5 here, because God is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the one making this peace. He's the one satisfying the war that's between us. But he's not only satisfying our um, hatred, hateful disposition toward him. He's actually, and more importantly, satisfying his own ill disposition toward us. Yes. Right? And that's what we, we miss in Romans 5 sometimes. Right. We think, I have peace with God. I'm no longer at war with him. Yes, more importantly is he's no longer at war with me. Right. Because of the work of his son. 
Because his wrath rests upon us. Yes. And this whole picture, having been justified by faith. If you walk back in Romans through back through four and all the way back into three, we recognize that his wrath toward us was extinguished in Christ, right? Right. And so that's why that peace, he is the peacemaker because he's the one who gave his son. Right. He's the one who poured out his wrath on his son. He's the one who, who accepted the payment of the, uh, uh, and, uh, of the son, right, as a substitution right. for those who would believe. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's the, the, the first characteristic of a peacemaker, being yeah. at peace with God, not of your own doing, not because you even sought it. Right. But because God in his mercy made peace with you. Yes. And that's the, like I said, man, if we don't get that right, we're going to always think that that it was simply God um, dealing with my disposition toward him. That was certainly changed in yes. regeneration when right. he gave me a new heart. Yes. But we, we miss the point and God's holiness and his hatred of sin if we don't think from and understand that he was ultimately in his own love dealing with his own hatred, and it was a rightful, just hatred for our sin, and he satisfied and dealt with that. Absolutely. And, and um, that's really the, 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 the key to all of it, I right. think, in that sense. So the second characteristic, then, of a peacemaker, for, as we're trying to define and understand what a peacemaker is and who he is, um, we recognize that a peacemaker is at peace with others. Sure. They, they are intentionally... Um, trying to do and be what is necessarily um, responsible in terms of being at peace with others, as Paul says in Romans. Yeah. Um, we, we see that over and over again in Scripture, where we see we are to love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. We are to uh, give preference to one another. We are commanded, even in the Sermon on the Mount, to go and be reconciled to one another. Yes. In which case, we're supposed to set aside our own frustrations with them and be reconciled. Um, or we even have in 1 Corinthians 6, where it says, um, you, you've got something that your brother has done, and it's even a legal matter. And it says, can't you be wronged for the sake of reconciliation? Right. I mean, can, do you really... Must you have your way to the point that you would go before a worldly judge and seek to be to get satisfaction from your brother in Christ? Right. He says, what is wrong with your thinking there? It should be that you long for reconciliation with your brother so much that you would be willing to be wronged to have reconciliation instead of seeking your own. Yes. And I think that's the idea that Jesus has in mind here when he says this. It's more than just the absence of conflict. No, in fact, it's it may include conflict. Right. In fact, we see this play out in church discipline. Ultimately, we're seeking to satisfy there. Um, um, we're seeking peace, not only between us and our brother who's in sin, but between God and that brother who's in sin, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to seek peace and see that satisfied, but that involves me going and confronting my brother in his sin. Mm -hmm. So it may include conflict, mm -hmm. painful conflict, right. that ultimately leads to peace. Yes, and there's a sense of, of love and forgiveness and service for the other that manifests itself in your peacemaking. 
right. in, in the way that you go about it. So to be a peacemaker, if we understand those two main characteristics, peace with God and peace with others or with other right. people, um, then that means practically hold your tongue, um, give up your preferences, your perceived rights. Right. Actually, look in chapter 5, verse 38 through 41, and it tells you to refrain from retaliation. Yes. Right? Someone slapped you on the cheek. Right. right. Um, 43 through 48, you pray for, not against your enemies. Those are practical ways to seek peace. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, chapter 5, um, verses 23 and following are the verses that you referred to just a moment, moment ago. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift mm-hmm. at the altar and go right. and be reconciled. It, it means that we, we refuse to postpone apologies. We refuse to postpone restitution. We refuse to seek revenge. We humbly serve our enemies. We love them. That's what it means to peacemake, I think. Yeah. No. Um, it's a discontentment with being um, at odds. It's a discontentment with a sense of unforgiveness. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, the, the, the willingness to forgive uh, frees up so many Christians who tend to hold grudges and bitterness uh, toward others um, that, that they don't have to hold. And I know that's chasing the rabbit a little bit, but uh, just it's been on my heart. I was listening to something even this morning mm-hmm. uh, about an unwillingness to to forgive. But my, my point in all that is to say, look for ways to make peace. Yeah. And you know, when we think about that, there's one ultimate way in which we can be peacemakers, and that's evangelism. Yes, absolutely. Because we have that ministry of reconciliation. Yes. That's been uh, you know, given to us, right? We're supposed to go and proclaim, be reconciled, right? Be made at peace with God, mm-hmm. right? And give them the gospel. And we we miss that so often. And but 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 again, peacemakers are those who, who who carry the very character of God. God is the one who's seeking peace with men, mm-hmm. right? And we're supposed to go and, and say, God has made a way. God has made a way for you to be reconciled to him. You haven't sought him, he has sought you. Be be avail yourself of that way. It's the only way. Jesus right. Christ, right? And to be a true peacemaker, um, it takes humility. It it takes um, a biblical understanding of who you are. Uh, it takes a willingness to lay aside and deal with pride or um, self sufficiency or self promotion. Uh, it it takes a, a willingness to lay aside um, my ideas or thoughts, um, my desires, even at times, so that that I can. Be a peacemaker in the midst of this um, thing that we call life. It's really uh, um, peacemaking as a hallmark of those who are a son of God. Well, and they it actually corresponds to the meekness. If you go back, blessed are the meek, mm-hmm. right? It, yes. it, it, it is humility, but it's humility and strength. Yes. It's not humility and weakness. Right. So this person, the only way, if you're weak, you'll never actually go. Right. And be reconciled to your brother. Right. There's a certain strength that's necessary, but a humble strength. Right. Right? A controlled strength. It's it's 
uh, power under control that can say, I don't have to be right in this situation. I don't have to be shown right in this situation, right? right. I can go set my prerogatives aside for the sake of my brother. Yes. It corresponds to that meekness. Yes. Yeah. And, and we can be a peacemaker in our homes, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the church, um, in society at large. Um, one of the things that Jesus um, or rather the, the Old Testament points out to us is that God hates the one who sows discord among brothers. Yes. He hates it. Yeah. That's in Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verse 10. Um, I'm sorry, verse 18. And so we see that all through even the New Testament, even as we're doing Philippians on Sunday night, mm-hmm. you referred to it last night in your teaching about the two women. Yeah, Iodia uh, and Siddiqui. Yes, who are uh, in dispute, and Paul is saying, you need to get this right. Yeah. You need to reconcile. You need to be at peace with one another. Yeah, he, he's saying there's no reason for division. Maybe the, the motivation for it's coming from outside, we don't know. We're not told. Right. But whatever it is, it, he doesn't actually qualify it and say, well, okay, that's a legitimate reason to be divided. Right. He says, no, there's really no legitimate reason to be divided. Right. Your brothers and sisters, your sisters in Christ, right? Right. Stop. Right. You've got a co- you've got more important things than each other to fight. There's a common enemy out there, right? Right. Strive together against that. Yes. That's the point. Stop stop with the bickering. If you want to fight, there is a battle to be fought. Mm-hmm. In the strength of God, stand up against all those things that's raised their ugly heads against the truth. But don't fight against each other. Right. And this being a peacemaker is the distinction between us and the world. The world is not seeking to be at peace. Only for the purposes of self would they seek peace. Only what would benefit self. We as believers want to be at peace because it benefits the other. Yes. Well, that's the point, right? Right. I mean, if you would set aside your preference for the sake of another... Then, then you're then you're doing what God did, who didn't seem equality a thing to be grasped, but laid himself aside, right? Denying right. The prerogatives that belonged to him. And you know the point of that is, is he's saying it might be legitimate. I mean, because everything that he chose not to exercise was legitimately his. Mm-hmm. In that, right, 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 it was legitimately his. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and yet he set it aside. You know, for the sake of, of obeying the Father and, and procuring a people and run for the glory set before him, right? But nevertheless, it's not, we're not arguing whether um, you have a legitimate right or even a legitimate gripe. The, 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 what he's saying is in that example is you very well may, and it's not important. Right. You can set it aside. Right. Because your the, 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 your relationship to your brother is truly important. Yeah, that's paramount. Yes. So to be then sons of God, that's what the um, beatitude says. They shall be called sons of God. That is the peacemaker shall be called the sons of God. And I think there's two ways to understand that. Number one, what we've been talking about, yeah. to be a peacemaker within our home, our church, our culture as we live out the Christian life. But is there eschatological 
understanding this? Well, sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think every one of these have eschatological right. realities. Right. I think ultimately that's where we're going to see them. A minute ago, I made the reference that I think there's a sense in which this may reference the fact that it's it's characteristic of God and those who are His, right, to, to, to look like Him. Right. He's a peacemaker, you'll be a peacemaker. But certainly there's an eschatological reality. Only the children of God are going to be with Him for eternity. Yes. And again, I think that's what he's saying here. To the children of God and the children of God alone, those are marked by as, pe- as peacemakers right. because they represent God in his character and they've been made new as they share in his nature. Right? They're blessed because he is blessed. So I think there is an eschatological, eschatological um, reality there. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Philip, let's wrap up this uh, discussion then of the idea of peacemaking by, by thinking about the whole, what we've looked at is eight beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And again, what we are not saying is is this is some kind of path to salvation. No. We would not ever promote that or we don't want to be misunderstood as saying that. These are these are not steps in a ladder to climb to some kind of uh, relationship with God. No, in fact, if you've been listening very closely, I think what you'll, instead of thinking, okay, I can do step one, I can do step two, I can do step three, if you've been listening very closely, what you're probably going to realize is, I, I, I can't do any of these things in enough myself. Right. I, I need something greater than me for this to be accomplished, and that, that is exactly the point. Right. Yes, you need Christ, and even then you're going to fail in these, but good news Christ didn't fail in these. Yes. Right? Right. And so where you come up short, Christ didn't. Now, he doesn't just he doesn't just come along and fill in the gaps with what you can't do. No. Your utter uselessness, your your coming up short has been cast completely aside. Yes. What is accredited to you is his complete and total satisfaction of God's demands. Right. And that is where your righteousness comes. Yes. And not only has he done that, but he is taking the punishment for the fact that you couldn't do it. Yes, that's the curse of the law. Yes. Right? He's taking it upon himself. Right. So now the law is a beautiful, wonderful thing that I that I strive to keep, right? I strive to do because I represent and look like my father, right? right. I look like my brother who's been a perfect example of these things for me. But I recognize even when I fail, that's I, I, I fail knowing that there's been a grace afforded to me in, 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 right. in this redemptive work. So Jesus has lived the perfect life that we could never live, and he's died the death that we all deserve. Yes. And then God bodily raises him from the grave to um, um, put the stamp of approval, if you will. Vindicated. Vindicated. Yeah. Yes. That he is the son of God who has done this. Yeah, he declared that he had accepted it and it was good. Yes. Yes. Um, And he's at the right hand of the father now. He's going to return to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. And all who repent and believe this good news can be saved. And will be saved. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for listening to this podcast. And we pray, as always, that it has been a help and encouragement to you. And we thank you for... All of the ratings and reviews or shares that you give us, and we uh, encourage you to, to continue to listen. And if you have a question that you would like for us to consider answering or try to answer, um, please go to our church Facebook page, or rather our website, and uh, submit a question there. There's a way that you can do that, and we'll be glad to try to uh, answer the question that you might submit. So may the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening.